All right, if you would, turn to the book of Philippians chapter 1 and hold your place there. Take us a little while to get there, but Philippians chapter 1. Some, a lot of this is some review, but as I preach, you, you, have, you, you kind of run out of time sometimes. And then you have afterthoughts that you want to add to uh, the message before, and that just seems to be typical how I'm, I'm led a lot of times. So. Uh, but this year, I believe, you know, God is leading us to produce more spiritual fruit, more fruit through our church, in our families, and in our personal lives as well. I believe true spiritual fruit is as simple as this. And uh, Brother Mike is, is, is alluding this. I hope you're listening and, and feeling it. It's hard to put into words some of this, how it's, it's all from God and it's spiritual. It's for the asking. I truly believe this scripture is true to its literal interpretation that if we ask anything in Jesus' name, he will do it, John 14, 14. Yes, fruit is simply for the asking. Think about it. Even salvation itself, the very foundation of, of fruit, the, the fruit of salvation comes no other way but by the asking for it. But it is the proper asking for it. By the Holy Spirit, through the revelation of God's Word, conviction comes. I am a sinner. I am lost. And I'm rightfully doomed to a devil's hell. But God loved me so much that He sent His Son Jesus to the earth to pay my way out of hell. I need to turn from my sin and by faith accept Him as my Savior and the Lord of my life. I ask Him, it comes in this, I ask Him to save me. Whatsoever you ask in His name, He will do it. Matthew 7, 7 says, Ask and it shall be given you. Seek and ye shall find. Knock and it shall be opened unto you. For every one that asketh receiveth. And he that seeketh findeth. And to him that knocketh it shall be opened. Or what man is there of you whom, if his son ask bread, will he give him a stone? Or if he ask a fish, will he give him a serpent? If ye, then being evil, know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your Father, which is in heaven, give good things to them that ask him? Now I want to put this maybe in a maybe more familiar picture, something that's down to earth. A child asks his parents for a Reese's peanut butter cup. The parent says no, because he's allergic to peanuts. The same child asks for a marshmallow. I always call it marshmallow, but it's marshmallow. <laughs> I got corrected in my spelling. <laughs> The parent says no because he's been eating too much sweets. The child then asks for a banana. The parent says no because it's too close to dinner time. How about a few carrot sticks, the hungry child asks. Parent says yes. That's a good choice. It's a healthy choice. Takes a while to eat, few calories, and therefore will not spoil dinner. You know, sometimes we have problems with our asking, though. James 4.2 says, ye lust. And you have not, you kill, and you desire to have, and cannot obtain. You fight, you war, yet you have not, because you ask not. 
Here are the problems. You lust. Leads to selfish asking. You kill. Evil motives. You war. Waste time. We talk about this in drama. Just going back and forth with stuff. You ask not. That's pretty basic, isn't it? In the story of the child and the carrot sticks, what if the child did not even ask? End of story. He does not get anything because he just simply did not ask. Now, I thought about this, and this is kind of a crazy little thought, but what if salvation came by a saved person touching another person? Living the Christian life would be simply a game of tag, wouldn't it? We would be spending our time finding people just to tag. I know that sounds silly, okay? But I'm making a point here. But if we believe that we can ask anything in Jesus' name and He will do it, why don't we pray more? We have not because we ask not. And I have to ask, is our heart and soul in the prayer? Confess your faults one to another and pray one for another that ye may be healed. The effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Luke 11, 5 says, And he said unto them, Which of you shall have a friend, and shall go unto him at midnight, and say unto him, Friend, lend me three loaves. For a friend of mine in his journey has come to me, and I have nothing to set before him. And now this may bring some thoughts to you of, of maybe some things that have happened to you in your life. And he from within shall answer and say, Trouble me not, the door is now shut, my children are with me in the bed, I cannot rise to give thee. I say unto you, though he will not rise and give him, because he is his friend, yet because of his importunity, he will rise and give him as many as he needeth. And I say unto you, ask, and it shall be given you. Seek, and ye shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. For everyone that asketh receiveth, and he that seeketh findeth. And to him that knocketh, knocketh it shall be opened. When we ask something from God, do we look for it? I've, I've mentioned this before. How many prayer lists do we have that we don't look to see how God answered it? I'm thankful Andy has been doing that, you know, looking at the last week's prayer list and say, okay, well, what happened here? Think about it. We just kind of throw, we don't really do seeking. You know, this, this thing of prayer is, is a little deeper than what we think about on the surface. You know, it's not a lack of asking sometimes, it's a lack of seeking, taking that next step. Or suppose we ask God for somebody to witness to in that day. And we even look for it and we find it in our hearts. This is, but we chicken out. And we don't go over and talk to that person. We asked, we found it, but then we didn't knock on that door. We didn't do it. In the case of the child asking for carrot sticks, the asking is not fulfilled until the child finds the carrot sticks, goes in and gets them and puts them in his mouth and eats them. But I want to bring up a scenario. What if that mother of the child refused his request for even carrot sticks? What is a child to do? What is a Christian to do when God does not answer his prayer that he feels is well in the will of God? Unbeknown to the child, the mother received a text from the child's uncle Tim. I was hoping he'd be here. I'm kind of using 
who will be there in five minutes to surprise his nephew with his favorite food, tacos. And some of you can probably guess who that <laughs> nephew is. Sometimes God has something we don't understand that is not good to reveal at that time or that is better than what we are even asking. Oh, I missed it. <laughs> hey, Tim and Brittany, we're just, we're just talking about you. You missed it. <laughs> I'll catch you up later. Ephesians 3.20 says, Now unto him that is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think, According to the power that worketh in us, unto him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus throughout all ages, world without end. Amen. There is a great revelation contained in this verse. I never really saw it to this extent before. In the example of Christians being the branch that bears fruit, and Jesus is the vine, we kind of drew that up last week, and the Father the roots. Listen closely, there is never an issue with the vine being able to produce anything. It always can produce more than whatever the branch can ask for. That's what that's saying. It's unlimited. Whatever we can ask, our limitations is we don't even know how to ask. Luke 17, 6, and the Lord said, if you had faith as the grain of a mustard seed, now, this will make sense now, this verse. You might say unto this sycamine tree, Be thou plucked up by the root, and be thou planted in the sea, and it should obey you. Now you get that picture. What that's saying is, God can do that, like now, for the asking. But we've got to have faith, <laughs> belief that that's in God's will. All things are possible with God. We are the restriction. I want to just, here's a picture of, let's just um, call it a big reservoir, an ocean. Okay. And you have uh, a valve here. Okay. We can ask anything in God's name, but what we have is a valve here. I'll talk a little bit about this. This valve is whether you're clean or not. <laughs> it's open or closed. But the amount is not the restriction here. We can empty the ocean. We can have a clean life. We can open the valve, right? But where are we going to be limited? Boy, this is an engineering question. Right through here, the branch. A lot of times, when we get saved, <laughs> our branch looks like this. We can't empty much. We can't get much from God because it's just so restricted. Now, some of you may have a long old pipe and it's all crusted and corroded and you can't get anything out of it. That's what's, what's happening. This is us. This is the Lord. Jesus is a, anything that can come from God, can come through and come through us. I mean, we can ask anything in God's name, and he will do it, it says. Now, 
There's no greater restriction to prayer uh, talked about than our valve being shut off. Once the valve gets shut off, you know where you go to get flow? You go to the valve. That's what God does. You're not right with him. There's, he's not interested in listening to what you have to say, no more than a parent's interested in all the junk you got to say when he's in trouble. You need to deal with the situation. You need to deal with the situation. We're to get that right every day before God and have that valve open, but we still, no matter how much that's open, we've got a problem here, don't we? Psalm 66, 8 said, If I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. Last week we learned that if we were to move forward in effectual fervent prayer, we must seek cleansing. Confess your faults one to another and pray one for another that you may be healed. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. We need to be in the right standing when we pray. We need to pray for the right things. We need to by faith seek the answer and then act upon it. Those three things. Ask, seek, knock. Eternal fruit. Fruit that will remain and be received of God will come directly by correctly asking of God. Now, it is the will of God not only that we bear fruit, but that we should bear much fruit. John 15, 15, I am the vine, ye are the branches, he that abideth in me, and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit, for without me ye can do nothing. Herein is my Father glorified, that ye bear much fruit, so shall ye be my disciples. Now in order for us to bear much fruit, the branch must be enlarged. Okay? That's us. We need to be enlarged, to bear more fruit. And this afternoon, I want us to understand God's method. <clears throat> and I've kind of jumped analogies, but thinking of a vine and fruit, what he does is he prunes us. He says he prunes that it'll bring more fruit. So I want to talk about the method of God's pruning in our lives. The message is God uses tact, T-A-C-T, when pruning. Let's pray. Father, uh, what a subject today. God's work in the Christian's life. If we are in Him, He will enlarge us. He will work on us. That is His job. That is His promise. And it will happen to us today. We as Christians will be pruned. So Father, help us to understand this pruning process. Help us to appreciate it because it comes by difficulty. Now Father, we'll just thank you for the message that you'll bring today. I pray it will help each of us. In Jesus' name, amen. Philippians 1, if you're still there, it took a little while to get there. Philippians 1, chapter or verse 1, chapter 1, verse 1. Paul and Timotheus, the servants of Jesus Christ, to all the saints in Christ Jesus which are at Philippi with the bishops and deacons, grace be unto you, and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. He says, I thank my God upon every remembrance of you. Wow, these are some nice words always in every prayer of mine for you all making request 
with joy. What a statement that is. For your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now. In other words, here's this time period. And then he caps it off with this. Being confident in this very thing. That he which hath begun a good work in you, that would be Jesus Christ, will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit revealing Christ in us in large. It's His work. In other words, when you're a Christian, it's going to happen to you. In all sorts of ways, pruning, chopping, cutting back. If you're a Christian, you're getting pruned. The pruning is Jesus Christ's work in us through the Holy Spirit, and He never fails in it. If it was our work, it would fail. It's His work. But we feel it. I want you to understand what that, what that is. As I prepare for the message this week, I ask God to give me something for the people at Eastside Baptist that they need today. And I begin to just like consider, and I know there's a lot of difficulties happening with, with the people in the church. You know, even as blessed people, difficulties comes into our lives. Sometimes these difficulties can seem relentless at times. Going through these difficulties can cause us to seek God in a way we never thought of before. <laughs> to ask questions that we never would have asked God before. When Patty and I were going through the pressures and responsibilities of caring for her mother during several years of a debilitating disease, a disease that would cause her mother to create great grief with us and create great grief to herself, we began to ask God, why? Even to the point of asking God to just take her home, that there seemed to be no fruit in what was taking place. There just didn't seem to be any good reason for this. As I meditate on the situation a while after she passed, seeing others going through this stage in their lives or in other similar situations, I believe God has given me the answer. Though I cannot explain it, though I cannot say that I can see it, I believe God was allowing us to bear more fruit through it. It was a heavy pruning time. Many feelings of failure. Many would-haves, could-haves, and should-haves to look back at. Patience and forbearance pressed upon you like no other time before. People outside of the truth of the situation gnaw on you with criticism, hatred, and retaliation. It would seem that this is a time of misdirection, regret, waste, and fruitlessness, but not so. By faith, I believe that through these times, our branch becomes much greater in size and can bear much more fruit. One definition where I'd like to use 
the letters tact as four points as to the method God uses to prune us that we might bear more fruit. One definition for tact is defined as sensitivity in dealing with people or difficult situations or issues. I think that describes Jesus pretty well. When we are pruned by God, it is certainly through difficulties and very becomes very personal. It's helped me to back off and pray more for people. Yet Jesus guides us through these times to bring a greater spiritual level. The acronym TACT is also a very common word used for the method of cleaning something that will form the four-letter points of the message. So if you don't get anything else out of this, you understand what tact means in the cleaning world. The first is temperature. The second is agitation. The third is chemical, and the fourth is time. Those are the four things about cleaning anything that you got to find. And you, and, and you clean anything. I know John's, he, he kind of has a phrase, He's, he's kind of our pyro te technician or <laughs> maniac, pyromaniac. <laughs> he likes fire paint. You can get it hot enough, you can burn anything. <laughs> it's a combination of temperature, agitation, chemical, and time. The Lord's pruning of our lives follow these four points as well. First, there is temperature. Temperature gets you doing something. If you are comfortable and you're like me, you don't want to move. But if you're uncomfortable, like when that seat gets uncomfortable, you start to wiggle around, don't you? Cause you to move. But if you're hot or cold, you will desire to do something about it. Just work with somebody. Go out in that hunting ground and get cold. You're going to do something about it. Usually you try to do something about it before you go out there. But you start getting cold, you got to start moving around. You, you're going to find some warmth. Or if you're too hot, and you're, I mean, you're going to get it. It causes you to move. As we've been looking at the seven churches in Revelations 2 and 3, we end at a church who is in the worst possible condition. It is the church at Laodicea. God said, So then, because thou art lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will spew thee out of my mouth. This is the problem with people who need to be saved who aren't saved. Simply, they don't understand that they are not saved. They don't realize that they are in danger of hellfire. Therefore, they do not seek to be saved. They're comfortable where they are at and consequently sit in the hot seat that they don't even feel. God will turn the heat up in our life or perhaps use even coldness. It's not just heat, but you can clean with cold. God can use coldness as well to move us. Our fleshly tendency is to make our lives comfortable. We like to be self-sufficient and seek security. We like to get ourselves in a comfortable spot. We all do it, you know. Don't want to have to worry about money, have all the money in the world. That's, a, that's how flesh thinks, you know. But the scripture teaches us that because thou sayest I am rich and increased with goods and have no, need of nothing, and knowest not that thou art wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. The cure, fire. 
I counsel thee to buy of me gold tried in the fire that thou mayest be rich, and white raiment that thou mayest be clothed, and that the shame of thy nakedness do not appear, and anoint thine eyes with eye salve that thou mayest see. God uses many things in different ways to get us to move. Being alone out in the fields with sheep created a certain loneliness, I would think, with David in the Bible. But that loneliness, you will, loneliness is a thing that will cause you to move. Now I'm glad he didn't make great relationships with the sheep out there. <laughs> what he did is it brought David to develop a very close relationship to God and his creation. This pruning would cause David to grow the fruit of a close relationship to God. The temperature of pruning would lead David to the pruning next by agitation. First, the temperature is uncomfortable. It moves him to a close relationship with God, and then comes the agitation. First Samuel chapter 17, familiar story, I won't have you turn there. And when the words were heard which David spake, they rehearsed them before Saul, and he sent for him. This is in the story of David and Goliath. And David said to Saul, Let no man's heart fail thee because of him. Thy servant will go and fight with this Philistine. And Saul said to David, Thou art not able to go against this Philistine to fight with him. You know, Saul didn't have that relationship. That he didn't know the God, what he could do. He's talking about the flesh. And obviously David couldn't in the flesh. But Saul had a misunderstanding of how to fight this Philistine. He said, For thou art but a youth, and he a man of war from his youth. And David said unto Saul, Thy servant kept his father's sheep, and there came a lion and a bear, and took a lamb out of the flock. And I went out after him, and smote him, and delivered it out of his mouth. And when he arose against me, I caught him by his beard, and smote him, and slew him. Uh, if you're like me, you're putting yourself in this position, and it's hard to put yourself in that position. <laughs> Thy servants slew both the lion and the bear, and this uncircumcised Philistine shall be as one of them, seeing he hath defied the armies of the living God. David said, Moreover, the Lord that delivered me out of the paw of the lion and out of the paw of the bear. See what he knew? Hey, that was some agitation to go through. God puts us through difficult, agitating times to prove himself. He says, He will deliver me out of the hand of this Philistine. And Saul said unto David, Go, and the Lord be with thee. Think about it. Now I suppose this could have been two separate events, a lion and a bear, but it seems like, and it's hard for me to picture both the bear and a lion coming at the same time, but it... it, it kind of appears like that two fierce forces <laughs> you are alone the enemy is greater than you as far as man can see it this is an agitating situation of the flesh but apparently the pruning of godly relational fruit saw the lion and bear as underdogs defeated foes through the eyes of God Satan is a big foe, but greater 
than all our flesh combined. But David knew in his heart and life what the scripture says to us in 1 John 4, 4. Ye are of God, little children, and have overcome them. Because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. We can say it. We need to get that in here. This fruit by pruning of agitation produced fruit of trust in God and not the flesh. This is the fruit that David defeated Goliath with. Psalm 56, 4. In God I will praise his word. In God I have put my trust. I will not fear what flesh can do unto me. The pruning of agitation will lead to the fruit of trust in God. If we let it. God brings an agitation in our life that leads us to the fruit of trust, whether it is our own family against us. In the case of Joseph, a fiery furnace to face, a Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, or a lion's den to be thrown into, like Daniel, the pruning of agitation produces fruit of trust. The trust in him. The next pruning method David acted very well on, the application of chemical. Temperature, agitation, T-A-C, chemical. That's God's word. That's God's word. You think about what chemicals do. The word of God is sharp and powerful. It's a chemical. To those who are after God's heart, the word of God is a contagion. Let me repeat that. If you're after God's heart, if you have that relationship, it's a contagious thing to be and to know the Word of God. It happens naturally. That's what happened with David. Not only did David read, study, and meditate on God's Word, he wrote it. The most in intriguing chapter of the Bible with nearly a reference to the Word of God in every verse that is not said for sure is generally attributed to David. Even if David did not write Psalm 119, Think about how busy a man David was. Such a busy man in life, he never skirted the application of the Word of God in his life. He wrapped himself around that. The life of David removes any excuse for us of being too busy for the Word of God. I would say it's not that you're too busy, it's you're not contagious with it. You haven't got to know and love that God so much that you're wanting to just open that Bible and read more about it. There's where the problem is. It'll be a natural thing for you to get in the Word of God. Knowing the Word of God is confidence. It tells you what you can expect. It is knowing. The pruning of chemical produces the fruit of knowing. There's thing, things God wants us to know. This is what he's doing in our life through pruning. These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life and that you may believe on the name of the Son of God. And it eliminates doubt. And he that doubteth is damned if he eat because he needeth not of faith. For whatsoever is not of faith 
is sin. God wants us to be strong. He doesn't want us to doubt. He wants us to know. Pruning gets us to know that. It's through difficulty, folks. David knew that he would be king. He was anointed. Samuel came and anointed him as king, but he didn't become king right off the bat, did he? David would need the last part of pruning, the pruning of time. This was perhaps the greatest pruning David would ever struggle with in the flesh. He was anointed king, but he would not be king for years after that, and then only partially to start with. How Samuel anoints him. God says you're going to be king. You have to wait this crazy amount of time and then get it a little piece at a time. That just that don't make a whole lot of sense, does it, in the flesh? He would dodge murder attempts from the king. He would have to exercise the restraint of the flesh, trusting that only God could make him king and that the chemical of God's word gave knowledge that he was not to touch the anointed king, no matter how difficult, how wrong he was treated, or even to question the length of time God would take to produce that final result. Time. Man, we struggle. Destin, you're going to struggle, but that's pruning. That's okay. In the book, A Tale of Three Kings, and I encourage you to, if you're a book reader, it's a good read. The author reveals the inner life and leadership styles of three kings, Saul, David, and Absalom. In the life of David, as he goes through what I would call this pruning of time in his life, produced the fruit of patience. David is in constant thoughts of why and how long and struggling through. He has people say, you can kill him. He's right there. You are the king. You've been a... You've been anointed. But through the chemical of God's word, I'm not going to touch the anointed. In the book, the answer to his questions, and you can read through the Psalms and feel what David's going through in this situation, trying to be patient and letting God work. There comes a repeated frame of God knows, but he will not tell. It's a constant refrain repeated in this book. Everything will come to pass in our life. But how long? Not sure. Perhaps it may not pass till death. But surely it will in God's time. But pruning should bring us to an inward place in our life. James 1 1 through 4 says, James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the twelve tribes which are scattered abroad, greeting, my brethren, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations. Knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. And then he says this, this is it. But let patience have her perfect work that you may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. Now I'm going to end with a little story. I think it's a fictitious story. Don't know who the author is. I heard it on the radio and I found out and looked it up because it applies. 
There was once a king who offered a prize to the artist who would paint the best picture of peace. Many artists tried. The king looked at all the pictures, but there were only two he really liked, and he had to choose between them. One picture was of a calm lake. The lake was a perfect mirror for peaceful towering mountains were all around it. Overhead was a blue sky with fluffy white clouds. All who saw this picture thought that it was the perfect picture of peace. The other picture had mountains too, but these were rugged and bare. Above was an angry sky from which rain fell and which lightning played. Down the side of the mountain tumbled a foaming waterfall. This did not look peaceful at all. But when the king looked, he saw behind the waterfall a tiny bush growing in a crack in the rock. In the bush, a mother bird had built her nest. There in the midst of the rush of angry water sat the mother bird on her nest in perfect peace. Which picture do you think won the prize? The king chose the second picture. Do you know why? Because, explained the king, peace does not mean to be in a place where there is no noise, trouble, or hard work. Peace means to be in the midst of all those things and still be calm in your heart. That is the real meaning of peace. With heads bowed and eyes closed and pianists coming to play. What a great God we have. First of all, we live in a sinful world, an evil evil world. That's amazing to me. I, if you don't think God's around, I mean, we would be destroyed if it wasn't for God's protection in our lives. But yet He causes us to go through things that we would bear much fruit. We don't understand it as much as He understands it, but that He knows how important it is when we get to heaven to have fruit. whether we like it or not he's gonna allow us to do that and we'll be glad that he did up there but may we understand it now so that when we go through it we understand what it is that we may come to the place where we're perfect and entire wanting nothing like that bird inside the rock of the raging world around it a peace you find in that place inside that rock all that difficulty I know a lot of you are going through difficult things 
God's there. And he's using it. He's using it in your life. Let him use it. Learn as quickly as you can through it. And learn to get in that little cleft of the rock and get right up close to it. Father, thank you for your message this morning. Pray it uh, works in our heart and life in every each individual way of every person that's hearing this message. Lord God, that it would ring in their hearts exactly what they need. I've asked for that. I know that's your will to reach every person heard by your word. It is your work. It is your Holy Spirit. May we receive it. In Jesus' name, amen. You are dismissed. Thank you.